And in your honor, we're gonna talk about King David for the next four weeks. And the reason we're calling this man in the mirror or woman, it's ladies too, is because when you look in the mirror and see yourself, you have a certain image of who you are, what kind of value you can contribute to the world, what kind of worth you have to God. But anybody that knows David knows he did some bad stuff throughout his life. So we're gonna look at how David possibly saw himself, how the world saw David, and how God saw David. And man in the mirror is the concept I want to stick with you for the next four weeks, that our view of ourself in the mirror is usually not God's view of you. So you don't have to live by what you think, we live by what God says, amen? And you know, just thinking about this, I couldn't help but think of my spice grinder. I know it makes total sense. You knew I was going there. How many have a spice grinder? You know, like you buy them fresh. You don't buy them already ground up. When you get some pepper, they're little, they're peppercorns still. And when you buy the coffee, you got beans. You don't have ground yet. I know we probably have a, a mixture of both. Sometimes you're in a hurry. You don't have time to grind the spice or grind the coffee bean. And that's why they came out with like Keurigs. We've talked about it. But eventually you got to go back to the good stuff. If you want the fresh stuff, if you want the good oils, you know. And so I was just thinking about all, all the spices in the last couple of years. I got, in, I got into barbecue and then I went from barbecue into like tacos and all these things. And what I realized the secret was, was fresh spices. If you had fresh spices, it'd make or break your meal. Chloe's getting into cooking and she's learning about ingredients and, and it don't take a lot of spices. It just takes fresh ones. Why? Because spices have oil. And when oil is released, that's where the sensation comes. That's where the life is. That's where the flavor is. And when you keep using old spices from 10 years ago, Dad, and you keep dumping more on, you don't taste nothing, it's because the oil has dried up. It's about the oil that is released from the spice. That's the expectation is when I have a spice, I'm going to get some oil out of it. We're going to look this morning at, so the, for the next four weeks, we're going to look at different passages throughout David's life. But today we're going to start with the beginning, First Samuel, the prophet Samuel, where God told Samuel to go anoint his future king. We're looking at chapter 16, verse 1 through 13. How many know Jesse, what was it, Jesse from Full House? No, we're not talking about Jesse from Full House. We're, talking, we're not talking about John Stamos, Cheyenne. We're talking about Jesse from the Bible. Jesse had sons, many of them. <laughs> Olsen twins in the house. Man, can you imagine? Talk about expectation. Anyway, Jesse from the Bible, chapter 16. God is speaking to Samuel. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Saul is yesterday's news, yesterday's anointed king. But God says, I have rejected that. And what God has rejected, we cannot hold on to. It's like trying to keep a door open that is being forced shut. You don't want to hold on to people that are not meant to stay. You don't want to hold on to people when the anointing has dried up. You got to follow God's lead on anything you do in life. 
Everything has a season. He says, now, Lord Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Everybody say oil. And go, I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Isn't it funny where Jesse was from? Bethlehem, the Bethlehemite. I know another king that came through Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. You see, there's a connection between everything and the word. That's why it all matters. The Old Testament reveals the new. And God has a reason that the seed of David would travel through Bethlehem, not once, but twice. Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears that I'm going to Bethlehem to see Jesse, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer or a cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Yeah, I preached on this way back. I've come to have a barbecue. Don't worry, Saul. This is not about, uh, see, when the prophet came to town, usually someone was in trouble. So Samuel knew if he came to town, the people were gonna freak out, something's going down. So he says, no, God says, I got an idea. Take a cow with you and just have a barbecue. People will think it's just 4th of July or something here in Israel. In Bethlehem. And so he says, oh, okay. And Samuel said, how can I go? Saul hears me. He said, take a heifer with you. I come to sacrifice to the Lord. That's why I'm here, just to sacrifice. Then invite Jesse. Oh, snap. You want me to invite Jesse to the sacrifice? And I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. The one I ordain, you shall anoint. If it's not my ordination, it's not my will. If it's not my will, it's yesterday. Saul is yesterday. Now you will anoint the one I name to you. So Samuel did, verse four, what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? Why are you here? Did, you knew what I did yesterday? Oh, you saw that? You saw that on Instagram? Why are you here? He says, I'm just coming to barbecue. It's all right this time. Next time though, watch yourself. No, he didn't say that. He just said, I'm coming to, bar I'm coming to barbecue. It's, we come peaceably. Do you come to make peace or come to stir up trouble? They're asking him. And he said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the barbecue. Sacrifice. Verse six. So it was, when they came, they looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab was one of Jesse's sons. So Jesse and his sons were at the barbecue and Samuel was ordained to go anoint the one the Lord has named to be Saul's replacement. So of course they go from oldest to the baby because the oldest carries the blessing, carries the birthright on and on. We remember Jacob and Esau, how Jacob hustled his older brother, the hunter. Jacob was a cook. So they went in order, went in the pecking order. They went which seemed logical to them what would be the chosen one. Did you know sometimes what we think is logical to God is just the opposite of what God thinks is logical? Did you know it's like often the opposite? So they said, oh, it must be Eliab. Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. It's not him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Everybody say, heart. God doesn't care about what you're wearing. He's glad you're wearing something. Don't get me wrong. We learned that in the garden. 
but he doesn't care what brand you're wearing. He cares about your heart. So it was when they came, they looked at him. So, okay. But the Lord says, Samuel, it's not him I refuse him, for the Lord did not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 8, so Jesse called Abinadab. Yo, Abinadab, get up in here. And made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Mm-mm, it's not him. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven other sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these either. So Jesse's thinking to himself, there's only one left. And he's sure not fit to be king. He's just a little boy. Samuel said to Jesse, verse 11, are all the men here, all the young men here? Then he said, well, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is taking care of the sheep. He's just a shepherd boy. He can't battle. He's got no muscles yet. He's not strong like that yet. He can make coffee for us when we're out on the battlefield, like I used to do for my brother and my dad. When they were working, I'd make them some coffee because my dad would drink that stuff in August weather, middle of summer. That was what I do, because that's all I was capable of doing. I was this, the shepherd boy. But God says, he says, is there anybody else? And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes and passes by me here. Verse 12, so he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, means good looking, dapper like Tristan. He was ruddy, bright eyes, and good looking. The Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he is the one. He is the one. The last pick was God's first pick. Amen? The least of these was the most to God. You with me? It wasn't what we thought. Neither was it when he knocked out Goliath with the slingshot. It wasn't what we thought, Vincent. Arise, anoint him with the oil, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, who were probably jelly, jealous. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Oh, I don't know if you're getting this. You know, you, you got to have the Spirit of the Lord to slew Goliath. You know, you can be a shepherd boy, but if you have the spirit of the Lord, you can defeat the giants in the land. The spirit of the Lord was upon him from that day forward. That means forever the rest of his life. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah, get some Pellegrino or something after he was thirsty from the barbecue. I don't know what he did. The title of the sermon today is The Oil of Expectation. The Oil of Expectation. My question to you this morning is, are you willing to rise to the occasion and release the oil of God's expectation over your life? We've all got an oil inside of us that God wants to release, but it's according to his expectation, not ours. So when I look in the mirror and I say, I'm not good enough, I'm asking you this morning to throw away what you think. Do you want what God wants? And are you willing to rise to the occasion to release the oil of God's expectation? how he sees you. It's good. It's like a fresh spice. And I don't know about y'all, but most, most of the time with me is I'm waiting for something more valuable to happen before I take that step to releasing oil. Well, that's not worth my time. That's not good enough. 
That doesn't, that's not valuable enough. That doesn't gonna, that's not going to impact enough people. What if it impacts one? Well, you know, it's got to impact 100. You know, we're always kind of waiting for more before we step. I'll go forward with that job when I get the right offer. I'll take it when it pays this much. And until then, I just won't work. I'll stay broke. I used to have this friend. His initials were CF. <laughs> I don't know. He could be watching. And his thing was like he was so proud of where he was in his previous job that he wouldn't take any other jobs. And so he didn't work for like a year. He just did nothing. And so like it was a little bit of a pay variance. And we're like, well, why don't you just work? And then as you're working, work for something as you're working. Don't just sit there. But he had so much pride, he didn't think there was any value in taking a step and moving forward. He was just going to wait for more. But that's not how God prunes you to release oil. He gives you little to do much with. And unless we do little with, unless we do much with little, we will never do much with much. Because it takes a moving heart right now. Opportunity strikes when the oil's fresh. Once the, once the oil dries up, you're like yesterday's pop singer. You're a has-been. Once the six months passed, you're a has-been. The oil's dried up. We're on to new spice, says the music business. The oil has to be fresh. If we don't do anything when God is trying to release our oil, it can dry up. We're talking about the spices. One spice vividly I've had for years, Jim, is peppercorns that I ground like three years ago and they've been ground ever since. And I can tell you that the day I ground them, man, it was potent. Just a little bit of that stuff on anything was, woo, fire. Didn't know pepper had some heat like that until I, was, uh, I had this revelation of peppercorn oil. And now when I take that pepper, it's just like flakes on my food. It doesn't have any flavor because the oil has dried up. That's what we do with God's will for our lives so many times. We keep waiting for more and letting the oil dry up. But you have to strike when the oil is fresh. When he releases it in you, it's time to use the oil. Are you willing to rise to the occasion and release your oil of God's expectation? Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble. You know how many miserable CEOs are out there? Better is a little than great treasure with trouble. See, we're always waiting for treasure and when it gets enough, then we'll say we'll be motivated to do God's will, to do this, to start a business, to do that. But better is a little with God than much with trouble. More is not always better. In order to handle more, we have to do a lot with little. And just like a spice with fresh oil, it doesn't take much. A mustard seed can move a mountain, you know. There's a reason God used a mustard seed to show what faith can do. He didn't have to have a mountain of faith to move a mountain. He had to have a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. And if you keep waiting on a mountain to show up before you're willing to move your faith, God says, I gave you mustard seeds. Move on that. Press the oil from that, and I'll give you something new after that. I'll give you fig trees, and I'll give you, I'll give you people, and I'll give you things, and, and, and you'll, you'll, work yourself, you'll work your way up the mountain. But you have to press the oil in the little, and be efficient with it. That's God's provision. If God provisions you with little, do much with it. Because if God's touched it, it can change lives. If you're waiting for something to look better, the oil will dry up. David was willing to go 
That's why God anointed David. It wasn't because he was good looking. It wasn't because he would sell well under the spotlight of God's anointing. It's because God knew he was a man, soon to be. Now he's a boy after God's own heart, the word says. He knew just like Job, he knew just like Moses, just like Aaron, he knew just like Jacob, he knew despite shortcomings, he will endure till the end. There's an opportunity to release your oil today, but some of us are still staying away from God's grinder to release it because it just don't feel valuable enough, but it's potent. What God wants to do through you, yes, you, is potent. Don't let everybody else push for your will and your purpose. God has a message for you today that your oil is to deliver his will through your life. You, he wants to use you. And if nobody else was around, he still wants to use you. You don't need us to be used by God. We need each other. But if God has a plan on your life, you don't have to wait for someone else to validate that you're ready to be used by God. God says, I know the beginning from the end. I anointed your oil before you ever were even born. It doesn't matter that you made a mistake because the plan was there. The reserve of oil was sitting in, in, your, in your, uh, your reserve ready before you were even born. So what you did doesn't change that, as we'll see from David in the upcoming weeks, because he did some bad stuff. But God still used him. There was recourse, but God still used him. Sometimes recourse is a good thing. The Bible says if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father does not chasten? If you don't reprimand your child and correct them when they get off course, they're going to stay off course. And David was a child of God. And even though David was a king to man, he was a child of God. And when he got off course and was killing men and lusting after women and doing all these things, God had to correct him. Because why? Because he loves him. It matters. It matters. It's the same for us. There's an opportunity to release your oil that's been sitting dormant inside your seed for too long now. And once it's out, if it's not used, it's going to dry up. Don't let it dry up. The lack of motive, because we think God won't desire to use us, is often why we are waiting for more. We don't think we are worthy to be. Did anybody see the guy in the mirror? He's washing his face. He's thinking, I'm not worthy. Look what I've done. Oh, we've heard it like so many times now. But God says, I have a seat for you. You did my will on earth. I got a seat for you, just like the 12 tribes of Israel in heaven. It's not what you see in the mirror, son. It's what I see in you. God created your purpose. Our mission is discover, your, or excuse me, our vision for 1C Church is discover your perfect plan made just for you. It's important, it says, made just for you because your perfect plan was not made for Chad. Chad's perfect plan wasn't made for Michelle. It was made for them uniquely. So we have to stop waiting stop waiting and David was unique he wasn't worried about what the crowd thought he wasn't worried about that they laughed at him and said he's just a sheep boy he don't have enough experience to be valuable just like when he went out in next week's sermon I can't jump ahead because I'm going to spoil the scripture but just like they laughed at him then he showed him who was boss the Lord was boss he showed him 
that when the anointing was there, the spirit of the Lord was on him that day forward. The anointing, the spirit, they work together. But it takes a willingness to quit waiting and now face the unknown. You have to start facing the unknown. That's what faith is. It takes willingness. You know you have a choice. People misuse Scripture that says we are predestined according to the foreknowledge of God. It doesn't mean God is pulling our strings. It means God knows the end from the beginning and we have a choice. We have free will. Man has free will to choose. Am I going to serve God or am I not? I have to choose. I am accountable. As long as I am old enough to understand sin, I am accountable for my actions. So I have a choice. I have free will to take action and stop waiting. But it takes the willingness to face the unknown. And the fear is, when you face the unknown, if I try to step, what will happen if I try to step where God has called me to step? What will happen to my life? I can't even meet my own expectations. How can I meet God's expectations? I'm just a mess all the time. Why would God use me? I'm just a mess. I mean, when I look in the mirror, I see what I cheated them. I saw that I did this to them. I saw that, that, that I, I can't keep this and I don't have enough money. Why would God use me? It's not about what you think. It's about what he planned from the beginning, before you were born. That means your mistakes your past, your hurt, your, mis- your sins, whatever it is that's holding you back was irrelevant when God made his plan for your oil. It has no bearing except the devil wants to keep you thinking on that so you take no steps to release what God has put in you. You're just keeping it on reserve, keeping it on reserve. But just remember what a little bit of oil will do to flavor someone's heart. Just a little bit of freshness of God's anointing, what it will do when you face the unknown. Yeah, I got something inside of me, but what if I let God down? And it's not about perfection, it's about clay. God doesn't want perfection, he wants clay. If you look at David, (laughs) he was a hot mess in certain parts of his life. God used him. If God can use David and make him king, trust me, God can use you too. Okay? And so many others. If God can use Saul, who was killing Christians, and turn him into one of the greatest apostles of the New Testament named Paul, God can use you. Well, I did this. You know what? Quit telling yourself you're no good because God already said it's all good. I love you. Sometimes we do that as an excuse. Well, you know, really what we're saying is we don't want that. You know, you can say you want something, but your actions speak loudly. Actions speak louder than words is what I always heard growing up. That's why we say all the time faith is is belief in action because actions reveal who you are, what you do, how you treat people, how you live, what you say. It's all active and it reveals what's in your garden what if I trip along the way? So did David. You're going to trip? You're going to be tripping, David. But you're going to stand back up. Because God still wants to use you. God wants to use what you call a shortcoming to bless somebody else. God wants to use you, what you call a problem, that I can't be around people. He wants to use that to bless somebody else. It's not about us. It's about him. And when we make it about him, we will start releasing some oil that nobody has tasted before. And they go, this is different. This is like life-changing. 
like that short rib. It was like life-changing. Like I had some short rib last night. Anybody have short rib, beef short rib? Okay, beef short rib is like kind of like brisket. If you do it good, it just, just pulls apart. You do it bad, it's like brisket. It's just no good. But it's life-changing when you have good beef short rib. So last night I was forever changed by this beef short rib. I couldn't finish because it was like a brick. It's a big beef short rib. Anyway, it was good. Check it out, BC's Kitchen, like St. Louis. <laughs> Are you willing to rise to the occasion and release the oil of God's expectation? Not your expectation, not what you see in the mirror, what God sees in the mirror. You know God sees something different in that mirror you're looking in than you do? You know your oil is different to him? You think you have none? It's dried up? God says, no, I got a lot, and little does much. So move forward in my plan. Faith is the test of stepping in the dark to find the light. So that facing the unknown, it's like roaming through the dark in the woods to find a light. You don't know where the door to get out of the woods is. We talked about the cameraman in the dark, running to the cameraman in the pitch black, trying not to crash into the camera. That's faith, because you don't know where you're going until you find it, but you know you'll find it. That's faith. You step without knowing the end from the beginning. That's faith. Faith doesn't know who's going to win the race. Faith knows the race has already been won, so you don't have to worry about what place you come in because God came in first to begin with. Satan's a liar. He's a fool, and he can never win. My fears will go away to face the unknown when I know God is the one calling me. I can cast out fear. The devil wants you to waste your oil. For the longest time, for me, I felt like a calling for like 10 years, but it wasn't enough. That's not enough. That's not it. Until someone enlightened me said, quit waiting. Just step. As Mike now says, you step, I step. You step, I step. God steps, you step. He directs your paths when you take steps. You can't direct somebody when they're not leaving their house. Where's your house? Where's your dwelling point? So for me, I had this moment of, wow, I don't have to have it figured out. I can just start doing something. And here we are, almost two years. There was a year, there was a, thank you, there was a year before that no one knows about, of planning and almost puking and weird anxiety and all these things because what I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. This is nothing new. This is stuff we all go through. And yeah, like throw up sick. Like, are you crazy? You're just a shepherd boy. You can't do nothing for God. It's not big enough. Till I said, the Lord is my strength. Who shall I fear when the Lord is by my side? We talked about it. I mean, I was on anxiety medicine when we lost the church. I was on anxiety medicine most of my life. I've been singing in front of people my whole life. I still had to take a pill because I shake. Until I finally said, that's enough. This is not about me. This is about God and his expectation. I want to be a vessel. And so when we had that revelation as a family, man, it took the weight off. And it's the same with what God wants to do in your life. It will take the weight off of that pressure you feel to meet some kind of expectation. When God said, I already planned what I want you to do, just act on it. I got so much oil in you. I want to release and you won't let me. Quit waiting because tomorrow may not happen. And you're going, man, I had a chance. I want to do more. Do more now. Quit waiting. It's a shame when some nice spices go bad.
like fresh mint because you think you're going to drink a bunch of green smoothies and be healthy. And then you take one and you start gagging, especially Michelle. Hey, Michelle, want to try this new smoothie I made? You're gagging before you even tasted it? At least I can drink half of it. I go about three, four days, and then the gag reflex starts kicking in. But if you get some fresh mint, fresh mint's so good. It takes the edge off like the kale. In case y'all want to go make a green smoothie today, you want to take the edge off kale, throw some fresh mint in there. It's a, it's a counterbalance. And the freshness of the mint is, is what does it. And what, my problem, I do the same thing with spinach. We buy the stuff, and then I sit there and watch it day by day. Start to shrivel. Oh, I really should use that. If I don't use that, it's going to go bad. And I'm always fussing at them to quit wasting money, spoiling food. And here I'm watching the spinach shrivel day by day and watching my mint, my mint shrink in the fridge. Well, next time I get the mint, I'll use it. You bought too much. There's too much oil to use, God. God, I didn't want the jumbo bucket of spinach. I want the little baby one to start with, okay? I waste that one too. Whatever I got to tell myself to let it go spoil. Oh, we're going to go out of town. I'll eat it next time. You know, this is how we deal with God. This is how we deal. Well, tomorrow, God, I'll start, I'll start, I'll start releasing some oil. I'll start living for you, God. I, I, I'll start doing that. And then, and, then, and then, God, I know you want to give me some fresh mint, some fresh anointing to put on someone's life. But, you know, I just don't feel like being a vessel today. I'd rather just do nothing and, you know, accountability and all that. I just don't want to answer to that. Oh, I, I mean, guilty. But that's, that's really what it is. We're putting God off. Yeah, you, me too. If I can say it about me, we can say it about each other, right? It's just human instinct to put God off. But what I learned, especially when the 4-0 came, is you got to quit putting God off because your time is limited on this earth. You have a window to be as good as you can for God and go all out. And that's why King David continued to be blessed by God, anointed and used. Because even in his roughest days, God still carried him through because he knew he was a man after God's own heart. Amen? Quit letting your spices go bad. God's got this fresh garden inside of you with oils pressed that you've never tasted waiting for you to release it. Quit letting everybody else tell you your garden is not good enough. God made your garden before those people were created too. Before the heavens and the earth were created, he planned your garden and your oil to release. And with God on our side, we don't need to fear the unknown. We need to trust When I was a kid, I was not athletic. Still not. Surgeries for everything, everything breaks on me. And um, I wanted to be a ninja, which didn't help, Vincent. When you're not athletic and you're trying to be a ninja, stuff's gonna break on you, it's part of life. But I remember, um, like we do the mile run. Anybody remember the mile run, PE? Nobody, nobody had to run in PE? Okay, two people. Two people ran, the rest of the people skipped, I guess. Even in elementary school, you guys were skipping school. Shoot. Just kidding. We do the mile run, and I always dreaded it. You know why? Because I was always last. Or second to last. I'd get like a 15-minute mile. Is it over yet? It was four laps around the track, and it was just like, because you know why? I knew it was coming next. People making jokes. I didn't like to take my shirt off, because I was chunky, pleasantly plump. And I was embarrassed about the way I looked. And so, and so I was always last picked. And some of you have 
different hangups. Maybe that's not your story, but you got a different hangup, Vincent, that, that bothers you that no one knows about. And, and just because you know about it, you think everybody knows about it, but they don't know anything about that. They actually see a bunch of good things in you. So in your mind, you're always last. But just like the youngest son of Jesse, David, who became the greatest king in the Old Testament, he was last, but not least. Okay? Just because you're the youngest in the crowd, you're the last one picked, doesn't mean you're the least in the sight of God. Doesn't mean that. You can disqualify yourself, but God didn't disqualify you. You are last maybe, but not least. Remember Samuel went through all the sons before he anointed the last one. Some of you have been last more times than you can count God says, you're not least. You're not least to me, my son, my daughter. When the world says you're under average, God says, I got an executive position for you in my kingdom. You're exceptional in my kingdom. We don't deal with average in my kingdom because if I put it in you, it's perfection, baby. It's perfection. And I got an executive position for you in my kingdom. My position, everybody say this with me. My position is based on my willingness to release what God put in me. God's not stopping you and neither is the world. It's you against you. And when you get over the fact that you may have been last and you recognize I am not least, your willingness to release what God put in you now will raise you to greater situations, greater promotions, greater parts of your life that you've yet to witness because you haven't tasted the spice, the oil that is in you. That will test, test somebody else and touch them. Amen. My heart has the keys to change the outcome. It's already been determined, but will I step to meet God in the middle? You step by step, you step by step. Are you willing to rise to the occasion and release the oil, not of your expectation, not of who you see in the mirror, David, what God sees in the mirror, God's expectation. Are you willing to rise to the occasion and release the oil of God's expectation. If God is for me, who can be against me, says David. I got some battles to face, but I will fight and I will win when I'm willing to rise off the lazy boy recliner of complacency. There's a Toby Mac song, NF, isn't it? Till the day I die. Is this bad that I'm quoting? Nobody likes Toby in here. I think he's awesome. My kids do. He says, how are you, how are you gonna wonder why you can't do more when you won't get off the couch get off the couch man you know what you don't have to be physically the most athletic I mean shoulder surgeries might come you might break something being a ninja you know but when you try to step it takes it's the it's the it's the effort that counts with God God will position you to cover the difference well you're not able as a man God will cover as God so it's not about how good you do it's about your willingness to do good see the difference it's not about how good you do. It's about your willingness to do good. Where am I willing? God will feel the difference. If y'all can stand as we close this morning, the oil of expectation. There's an expectation God has that will be discovered and released through our oil. You know you are first 
in the sight of God. Trisha, you are first in the sight of God. Renee, you are first in the sight of God. No one else can compete with God's plan over your life. No one else can compete because no one else has your plan, your oil. Cheyenne, no one has your oil. You were chosen first by God. No matter how many ruddy, good-looking people pass by, God says, no, anoint her. She's the one. And the Spirit of the Lord will be on her all her days forward. You are first. You are chosen. God didn't draw straws and get you. You ever feel like that? Well, you know, it's better than nothing. One of my old friends used to say, my wife says I'm, you know, better than nothing. <laughs> it's a spouse joke. But God, God doesn't look at it like you're better than nothing. He didn't draw straws for you. He drew you. He drew your plans. He drew you up in a blueprint called this perfect plan from heaven. He didn't have to settle for you. He didn't have to settle for you, Bobby. He wanted Bobby. That's what he wanted. He wanted Dennis. He wanted April, Jody, Jim, David, Ashley, Savannah, Vincent, Amanda, Pam, Dan, Cheyenne, Allison, Nate, Judy, Gary, Mike, Christine. I'm just going to go through them. Aaron, Cameron, Debbie, Jeff, Kelly and Kelly, Chad, Derek, Nick. God wanted each of you first. He wanted you to be you. There's relief in that. You don't have to compete with anybody else. God's got it for you. How funny is it that David, as we'll see in the upcoming weeks, he could have quit being faithful. And some of us would say, man, I, I probably would have. But after all the stuff he went through, he writes this psalm, delight yourself, 37.4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I mean, when we talk about some of his shortcomings, he still writes, God will give you the desires of your heart. That's why God always kept using David because God stayed after God's own heart. Don't let the world tell you you're worthless. That's the devil talking through them. It's a spiritual battle. The devil wants to use people to hurt your impact you're having, to hurt your growth you're having in the kingdom. They want to make you feel like it's not trendy enough. People will think you're weird. People will laugh at you. People will pick at you. But there comes a point when you all have witnessed for yourself at certain points that after a while you don't care. You care what God thinks. That's spiritual maturity right there. When you quit letting the world impact your decisions you make for God, that's spiritual maturity. You're growing up. And we all go through that. God has an oil in each one of you he wants to release today. Don't let the oil dry up that God so desperately wants you to touch somebody else with. If we get by our heads right now, we'll close and sing a little bit. Father, we come to you right now in your name, the only name given among men, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who came just like David through Bethlehem. We are thankful, God, for your promise and your oil that you put in us to release before the heavens and the earth were finished being made. Before you rested, you had designed a plan for each of us to use our oil to meet your expectation.
And as we go through this week, we are no longer going to wait for something good enough to please us, but we are going to look in the mirror and we are going to see what you see, God. We are going to see the king or the queen or the vessel that God wants to use to shine on somebody else. And we're going to see us for the value we have, for the value we've always had, and where you're going to take us. We know that you have a plan so much bigger for this church than where we're at. We're willing to grow. We know you have a plan so much bigger than each one of our lives, that you have us on missions and ministry, doing things throughout this life. You have a plan, and we will stay faithful to carry out your will and your oil to the world. And if the house of God could say right now in Jesus' name, amen.